inside the clubhouse and everything in between this is brewers weekly here's dominic catronio hey 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 all right one of the last off days of the season get ready buckle up 29 games to go in 31 days starting tomorrow i'm dominic catronio thanks for joining us live here on wtmj or if you're listening on the podcast Appreciate you as well. Thursday nights when there's not a game, when there's not a conflict, we are right here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. And, well, I was kind of, this morning, I was coming, making my way back from Chicago. You know, obviously it was a tough series, but I've got some friends down there. I was, you know, just taking my time, enjoying the off day. Beautiful weather was along the, the lake earlier. Then I see my phone start buzzing. Like, hey, the, the Brewers are considering Josh Donaldson. And I fire off a tweet. Saying, ah, I don't see this happening. I mean, you know, the guy's got an 076 Babip. He doesn't sound like a Brewers target. I know he's been hurt all year, but I, I would have assumed they would give Brian Anderson a chance before they go to Josh Donaldson. Yet here I am at 808 local time, and the move is official. Matt Arnold has already spoke to some of the media about the Josh Donaldson move, and he has been officially signed to a minor league contract. Let's start with the background of why so much happened today across baseball and not just in baseball but with the Brewers too. I've mentioned this on the show before. By end of business today, teams had to have their organization set per se. Everybody you have in the organization at the end of business today is eligible for the postseason. They do not need to be on a 40-man. They do not need to be on a 26-man. They just need to be in the organization by September 1st. That's why, first and foremost, Josh Donaldson is a brewer and a couple of other uh, moves the brewers made that you may have missed. They're they're very under-the-radar moves, and they're all for depth. Okay, They acquired two minor league outfielders uh, by one formerly of a... Yankees organization, and you look at what the Brewers have got outfield-wise, they're pretty stacked, but they're just making sure in case something goes wrong, this is all depth-related. As for the guys that they added, Chris Roller and Greg Allen, now Roller was technically a trade for cash with Cleveland, he had not been on a 40-man roster, that's why you were able to trade. Uh, and then Greg Allen, who was briefly in the big leagues with the Yankees, sent back down, has been dealing with injury. But again, those two guys are just depth. Depth, depth, depth. So let's bring it into Josh Donaldson now. That's the, the main piece of what happened here on this off day Thursday. Why Josh Donaldson? The Brewers need depth. And they need production out of third base. I know I've talked about it plenty on this show, and even on plenty of post-game shows, what a story it's been for Andre Monasterio to, to rise into the big leagues. His August has not been one to remember. As the league has figured him out, he is struggling to make the adjustment back. Here in the month of August, in 25 games, 100 plate appearances, he hit 211 with just a 290 on-base percentage. He's only got a 246 bat pip at that time, and he's also got the highest strikeout rate for a month this season. He's got 19 strikeouts this month, and he's a guy that doesn't normally strike out. So I'm a little worried about that. Why not Brian Anderson? He's only played in five games, or started five games since he came back from the injured list. In all, it's been five starts since July 9th when he was placed on the injured list right before the All-Star break. And yet, in his last 
uh, stint since being activated off the IL. He's three for 20 with eight strikeouts. And you can argue, well, Dom, he's never been really given a fair shake since he got placed on the IL. Eh, I was looking a little deeper at the sample size and what Brian Anderson's been going through this season. It hasn't been pretty for a while. And also, he doesn't hit lefties. And the Brewers need help against lefties. And I can hear you screaming through the radio right now. Well, Dom, who's to say that Josh Donaldson, a guy who's hitting uh, 142 with a 225 on base, will hit for the Brewers? You're right. I don't know. But that's why he's being sent to the minor leagues. And this is from Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, They just got off the phone with Matt Arnold a little bit ago saying that he will go to Nashville, get some at-bats, then the Brewers will evaluate. And he can be activated whenever Milwaukee feels he's ready. The whole 60-day IL thing, because remember he was on the 60-day IL uh, with the Yankees, they, quite frankly, they mismanaged him. They treated him like crap. And that is essentially voided in the trade. He's technically not on the 60-day IL right now. He's on a minor league deal, not on an injured list, not on the 40-man roster. So to that I say he's had a hamstring injury this year. He's had a calf strain, which put him on the 60-day IL, and everyone was really confused as to why they put him on the 60-day IL. The Yankees are a mess, okay? They're a mess. They're, they're going full youth movement for the rest of the year. But I, I was looking a little deeper at Josh Donaldson here. Do I think he can actually help the Brewers win games? If he's in the big leagues, I don't think he's going to hurt as long as he's healthy. And here's why. I remember Josh Donaldson with the Oakland A's, okay? Those 2012 to 2015 years, then he got traded to Toronto, an MVP with the Blue Jays, and solid with the Twins, but was never on the field. If you can get him healthy for one month, and this is where, again, the Yankees being a mess, the Yankees kind of ruined his approach, The Yankees say, hey, walks aren't cool. Swing for the fences. And he hit homers. He hit 10 homers this year in limited time. And remember, BABIP does not include home runs. That's why the BABIP is so low. Uh, You you remove home runs when you calculate batting average on balls in play. But he still hit 10 homers this year. He's got pop, but his walk rate fell drastically for only two years in his career. The two years with the Yankees. His strikeout rate's... Pretty much the same. League average strikeout rate. A little higher with the Yankees lately, but in my opinion, it can't hurt. And in case, because the Brewers are so low on the waiver wire, they weren't going to be able to get any of those guys that were placed on the waiver wire. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But if Josh Donaldson goes to Nashville and actually gets consistent at-bats, which the Yankees weren't doing for him, if he goes down to Nashville for 10 days and he hits like... Three homers with like a 290 batting average, maybe an 800-ish OPS. I, I don't see what you have to lose. Because clearly they've soured on Brian Anderson for some reason. His glove is phenomenal. And Josh Donaldson can still pick it too, by the way, even though he's older. I, I don't see the downside. If, it, if he goes to Nashville and he's one for 30, thanks but no thanks, see you later. Right? And, and then we forget this ever happened. So don't overreact to it. I don't think it's going to be straight to the show. No, of course not. They're going to get him some at-bats and evaluate from there. And the other thing, too, he's still been hitting the ball hard. 
In fact, he's got his highest hard hit rate, granted small sample size, since he left the Twins, since 2019. So there is some underneath stuff that the Brewers clearly see that they like, and they need some help at third base. That's been a story all season long. Do I think the move is groundbreaking? No. Do I think he's going to play in the big leagues for the Brewers? I don't think so. But if he does, he could help. What's what's the downside of getting depth? So we'll see what it all goes up. He made me eat crow. I told somebody the other day on Twitter, 0% chance is going to happen. And here he is. He signed to a minor league deal. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. This one from Brock. Do you see Donaldson actually becoming a Brewer starting third baseman? He's a name with no doubt, but Monasterio's faded in August. Do you think Donaldson makes an impact on the team? Any ideas why the Brewers didn't consider Gritchuk? He went unclaimed. Be better backup outfielder than Joey. So we'll break down the waivers and everything that went down coming up next. 855-616-1620 right here on WTMJ. On WTMJ. We go until 9 o'clock tonight here live on WTMJ. I'm Dom Catronio, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. Just save it in your phone, WTMJ. Let's talk about the waivers and everything that just went down and just said it why a moment ago you need to have players in your organization by September 1st to be eligible for the postseason. And what the heck did the Angels do? Whew! That was wild. So let me tell you what. I walked down to the clubhouse on Tuesday down at Wrigley. I'm in there. I'm just, you know, trying to get some scoops and talk to the guys a little bit. And Joey Weaver comes up to me and he goes, hey, did you see Passon's tweet? And I thought he was referring to the White Sox tweet where he's, you know, talking about the whole incident that happened on the south side where a woman snuck a, a gun into the field. And that's scary in itself, first and foremost, in that passing has Zing saying that's the most effort somebody's shown at guaranteed rate field all year. I thought that's the tweet he was talking about. And he's like, no, no, no. The Angels just put everybody on waivers. What does that mean? I'm like, what are you talking about? Renfro's on waivers. Gritchick's on waivers. Matt Moore's on waivers. Giolito and Lopez, they're all on waivers. What? What? And so literally, it was me, Joey Weaver, Rowdy Telez, Brian Anderson, uh, the player, Brian Anderson, and Kurt Hogue. And we're all sitting there like, What? And obviously trying to figure things out. They're getting in touch with their friends and that were on that list. And yeah, the Angels just blew it up. The reason why the Angels did it, they were trying to save mine $5 million and they they get under the luxury tax now because uh, Arnie Moreno, man, that's bad. And I I, I want to remind Brewers fans too because I'm sick of seeing all the com- complaining about Mark Adonacio. There is not a single fan base except for maybe the Braves. That is happy with their ownership, okay? 29 out of 30, not happy with their ownership. It's, it's get in line, okay? Now, Artie Moreno, that was crazy. That was absolutely crazy. Chicken, you know what? I, I think it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And there will now be rules put in to make sure that teams can't tank like this in the middle of a season. And they just went for it a month ago, and they had the month from hell. They had their worst run differential ever in a month in Angels history, Shohei has a torn UCL. Trout's back on the injured list. I, but that doesn't mean you, you put everybody on waivers to save $5 million. Already wanted to sell the team a few months ago, right before the season started. Then he goes, eh, mm, no thanks, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm going to keep the team. 
And look at him now, trying to save five million bucks. Really? That's a joke. Angels fans, I feel so sorry for you guys. Ah, oh, it's just it fire it just makes me so mad that that you can do that. And everything he did was perfectly legal, but for competitive balance and for the sake of the good of the game, it's terrible. It's awful. And somebody else is gonna do it next year too that shouldn't be doing it. And we have to sit here now all winter long and sit back and look. And Mike Trout has to sit back and look saying, how the heck did the team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani never make the postseason? Wow. Anyway, uh, here's the dust that settled with the Angels specifically. The Mariners claim Dominic Leone. The Guardians claim Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore. The Reds claimed Hunter Renfro. And they also got Harrison Bader from the Yankees. The only one from the Angels that went unclaimed was Randall Grichuk. There, there are reasons for it all. There's depth reasons for it all. And, you know, the waiver wire order, if you have the means on your roster to make it happen by having a worse record last year, you get the opportunity before anybody else does. I don't think the Brewers really had a chance to get after any of those guys because of the waiver order. It goes based on your record in reverse of last season. So, They're not going to be catching any of the teams that are going to be chasing. Like Miami made a couple of claims. Cincinnati, obviously. Cleveland, obviously. Um, The Brewers are full in the bullpen. That's why they didn't get Leon. But Gritchick, I I, I don't see it because, I mean, granted, I didn't see Josh Donaldson, so take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But Randall Gritchick, since he went over to the Angels, he'd been hitting just a buck sixty-eight. You know, the the anti-Coors effect. Once you leave Coors, it's always tough to make the adjustment. Hitting 168, he hit four homers, but he also had 26 strikeouts in 109 plate appearances. So I, I, I don't see it fitting. He's another outfielder. Yes, he could be a fourth outfielder, but if Garrett Mitchell is going to come back this year, you would like to have room for him. And plus... Like Perkins is getting ready to go on a rehab assignment. Plus, you're about to have an extra man on the roster. I, I, I think it would have been doing a little little too much, if you ask me, uh, if they went and got Randall Grichuk. As for the way I view it with the Reds, I, I don't know where they're going to play Friedel. I don't know where they're going to play Benson. Um, they've already called up like every rookie they have between Marte and De La Cruz and McLean and Steer. Um, Encarnacion Strand, uh, they, they're out of room, and I'm still trying to figure out where Bader is going to play, and is Friedel going to move to right? No, you're going to keep Renfro on right, so does Friedel move to left, and where does Steer play? What do you do with India? It's They're a weird organization. It's a mess over there, but that's why you saw so much activity today. Just get it in before September 1st. Again, I'm so mad at the Angels for what they did, and I don't think this is Perry Manazian's fault, truly. I think this is all coming from the top. And, you know, when the boss signs the checks and you have to do it, you have to do it. So uh, that's what all the chaos was. Let's actually talk about the Brewers now, okay? 855-616-1620. What the heck just happened at Wrigley? That's coming up next, breaking down that series. A couple of notes to uh, keep an eye on. We're also going to get ready to look ahead here for the rest of September, or as we say, Craig Timber. Could this be the last Craig Timber? Stay with us. This is WTMJ. Brewers take the day off today. They dropped two out of three against the Cubs this past week. So what the heck just happened? What if I told you 
The Brewers' starting pitching against the Cubs was going to allow two runs, one run, and two runs against Chicago. What would you think the record would be? Of course. Oh, they got this. Well, the wind was blowing in the other two days, and the Brewers obviously dropped two out of three. So Monday was fun, and you can listen to that postgame show back on the podcast feed if you want to. Tuesday was not so fun. A one nothing loss with the only run scoring on a fielder's choice, just a ground ball to, to with the infield back in the first inning, and that was it. It held up the whole game because the wind was howling in. Wind howling in again on Wednesday. And once again, the Cubs get out in front. And I'm going to get out in front of this right now. Did the umpire have a weird zone? Yeah. Did he have a weird zone for the Brewers too? Yeah. And the Cubs? Yeah. Stop falling for that crutch. Stop it. Stop it. The umpire is not the reason the Brewers lost the game. But, but Tom, that was a tight zone in the first for Woodruff. And don't hit a guy with an 0-2 count. Okay? Don't, Willie, I love you, man. Don't commit an error to lead off the bottom of the eighth inning when you just tied the game. It's that simple. Play better. Okay? So we're not going to do this umpire argument stuff. I'm not here for that. I'm not going to believe that. Play better. The Brewers didn't play their best. If the Brewers played their best, and then the umpire, you made some questionable calls, and you weren't happy with the strikes on at the very end of the game, then we can have that conversation. This is not that conversation. The Brewers did not play their best baseball. I look at those last two games. They went just 2-for-13 with runners in scoring position. Of course, during the nine-game winning streak, they were hitting 400. That's not going to last forever. But you sure you, you you sure hope it doesn't drop all the way down to you know a one eighteen batting average with runners in scoring position over a two game span. So it was due for a correction. But the other thing that I noticed too, the Brewers got away from the opposite field approach. Right, they, they got an RBI on the William Contreras down the first base line single yesterday, and he also hit a ball up the middle for a single, but they couldn't score a run uh, because it was it was perfectly played by Nico Horner. The Brewers, when they tried to pull the ball, 33 balls in play that they pulled, they hit 212, just seven hits. 41 balls, they went up the middle or the opposite way. They had 16 hits. That's a 390 batting average. So 212 when they were pulling the ball, 390 when they were up the middle to the opposite field. Now, it's not that easy. Don't just hit a button and hit the ball up the middle to the other way. That doesn't happen like that. But I felt like they got out of their approach. Furthermore... They got out of their approach, and I also tip my cap to the Cubs pitching staff. You saw their best. They only drew six walks over the course of those three games. Six. This team draws walks. This, that's how they win. And especially when Wrigley's playing as, as big as it was with the wind blowing in, you got to draw walks. You got to get men on base. You got to apply pressure. And the Brewers obviously didn't get the hit. And I was talking to somebody earlier today. You know, why does it seem like it's a broken record every time Craig Council's talking after a game about, oh, we didn't get the hit, didn't get the hit? Well, when you play as many close games as the Brewers do, it all comes down to one at bat sometimes. And we didn't get the hit. That's the thing. And it sounds annoying, but it's the truth. And I, I got to tell you, you play 162 games, there's going to be some really boring answers, especially when you lose a game one nothing and you lose a game 3-2 to two, and you only tied the game thanks to a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch. So I look at the Brewers getting out of their approach with walks. Now, they're not going to get many walks this weekend with the pitching lined up for the uh, for the Phillies. Lots of strikeouts coming. You got Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola tomorrow and Saturday 
And then you got lefty Ranger Suarez coming up on Sunday. So not many walks in there. But the Brewers are going to have to keep up with the Phillies because they can hit, and they're on fire. We're going to talk about them at the very end of the show. But what what I see with that Cubs series is another thing that jumped out, Yoel Piams. I'm getting a little concerned about Yoel. Just a little. Because this is the most innings he's really ever thrown. And I know he was a starter in the minor leagues of the Diamondbacks. That's different. It was limited work. He's now thrown 61 innings this season. And he's a different pitcher, right? He's throwing leverage. He's getting strikeouts. He's throwing more pitches, period. He has faced 241 batters this year, the same amount he faced all of last season. He's still got a month to go. Keep that in mind. The other reason I'm worried about Piomps, he's not a guy that's ever been a guy that walks batters, right? But all of a sudden, in this last tough stretch that he's in, over his last eight games, he has four walks. He has 12 on the season. Four walks in his last eight games. Like, keep an eye on that. He's also allowed four runs over that stretch. That's in the span of eight innings. His FIP during that stretch is 5.77, fielding independent pitching. The things that he can control, strikeouts, walks, and home runs. More walks, more home runs. That's that's what I'm keeping an eye on with Yoel Piams. If he struggles again his next go-around, do, do you just go eighth inning by committee. I don't want to give Hobie Milner a set role. A lot of people have asked that before. Why don't you give Hobie Milner a seventh or Hobie Milner the eighth? Because he is such a weapon against lefties, you want to use him wherever you can. And if that window happens to be the eighth inning, I know they're not afraid to go to Hobie. And mind you, Yoel has really good splits against left-handed pitching too, so they can certainly still use him there. But I need to see him get back on the horse a little bit here for this final month of the year. I'm sure he's... You know, dealing with some fatigue right now, everybody is this time of year. But that's something I'm monitoring along with Christian Yelich's ground ball rates here in the final month of the year in these first couple of weeks to see, okay, can can you get back on track ASAP to make sure the Brewers are where they need to be coming up? Because that was a very odd inning, and obviously it all started with the error from Willie Adamas in the eighth. But I'm not used to seeing Yoel struggle with command. And Bellinger, I mean, that was... One in the million hit it off his foot. If Yoel was able to dodge it, the inning's over. But that's the way baseball goes. So two out of three to the Cubs. Tip your cap. Have some fun for the final three games of the, of the uh, season. And I also want to call out a couple of tweets that I got. I shouldn't care this much, Tommy. I shouldn't. But two people tweeted to me when I just, you know, facetiously said, have you bought your tickets for the last three games yet? Because it's Cubs, and I'm sick of hearing Brewers fans complain about Cubs fans filling up the ballpark. And I had multiple Brewers fans tweet to me saying, I'm selling mine. Then don't come back. I'm sorry. If you want to complain, these are the same people that complain to me about Cubs fans being at the ballpark. And you're tweeting to me that, oh, I'm going to sell my tickets for the three most maybe important games of the year. And they're going to be bought by a Cubs fan. Stop it. You don't get to complain anymore. And also, one of the people that tweeted to me, like, you're proud of it. I don't get it. This is part of being a fan. It's not supposed to be easy. No one said it was going to be easy. You're in a window of success. This could be the last chance you see Craig Council. Oh, they always disappoint me. That's being a fan. Didn't we all love the honest rant about failure? Is the season a failure if you don't win at all? Why does that not apply to you being a fan? Why does that not apply to the Brewers? 
Trust me, it's more fun to talk about wins. It's more fun to talk about this team if they go all the way to the World Series. But this has been an amazing season. And if you're going to back out now, we'll remember you when the bandwagon starts taking off. Just saying. Just wanted to get that off my chest. Let's talk about what this could look like for the Central, the path to winning the Central, what it looks like with the Cubs, what the standings look like, and a big weekend for Chicago and Cincinnati. Stay with us. This is WTMJ. We're on for another 20 minutes or so here on WTMJ. Let's talk about the Central. Not much action happening in baseball tonight. Only uh, four games. Marlins beat the Nats. Tigers walked off on the Yankees. Tigers have been really fun here in the second half. And the Giants and Padres are getting going right now in San Diego. Then later tonight, all eyes will be on Los Angeles. They're about to get going in about 30 minutes. Braves-Dodgers. Four-game series at Chavez Ravine. This could be massive for uh, head-to-head if these two teams end up tied, of course, who's going to get the one seed? Now, Atlanta is still 87 and 50 in 45. But if the Dodgers somehow take three out of four here, don't put it past them to sneak past Atlanta to be the one seed. Mind you, they've already won the series in Atlanta, have the Dodgers. So all they need to do is split these four games. And they'll have the tiebreaker. But if they win three out of four, they'll suddenly be only two games back of them in record and have the tiebreaker. So all they need to do is tie. Keep that in mind here down the stretch. The path right now for the Central, looking at the standings. Brewers up by three with 29 games to go. Brewers 74 and 59. Cubs 71 and 62. I am... Not going to call the Reds dead yet until after this weekend. And here's why. Four games in three days starting tomorrow between the Reds and the Cubs. The last head-to-head matchup between those two teams. If the Reds split that series, they will take the tiebreaker on the Cubs. But if the Cubs win the series outright, they take the tiebreaker and virtually eliminate the Reds from NL Central Contention. Now, as for wild card contention, Philly still in first, 74 and 59. They are three games clear of the Cubs in second because the Phillies and the Brewers have the same record coming into play this weekend. Cubs are in second. Giants are in third, hanging on by a thread. They just won the series against the Reds, 69 and 54. Then Arizona's a half game back. Cincinnati is one game back. And Miami, who won today, is two and a half games back now. Reminder, Cincinnati has the tiebreaker on Arizona, but San Francisco has the tiebreaker on Cincinnati. And the tiebreaker still is up for grabs between San Francisco and Arizona. And Arizona and Chicago haven't even played each other yet. they still got seven games to go here in September. So it's going to get wacky. Keep that in mind. But how does all this relate to the Brewers and the Central? I just compared schedules here for the Cubs and the Brewers. If over these final 29 games... The Brewers go virtually 500. Okay, 15 and 14. That would require the Cubs to be at least 18 and 11. Okay, seven games over 500. 18 and 11. And it would require them to win the series on the last 
uh, week of the year. They need to win that series because that would end up tied in record. Okay, but if they end up eighteen eleven and the Brewers are fifteen and fourteen, but the Brewers win the last series of the year, then the Brewers get in because they will have the same record, and then that's how they move on. The only way the Cubs would win it outright if the Brewers are five hundred is they need to be nine games over five hundred at nineteen and ten, and that's regardless of what happens in that last three games. They need to be nineteen and ten to win the division if the Brewers are fifteen and fourteen. You do the math. Okay, let's say the Brewers are 17 and 12. That requires the Cubs to be 20 and 9 and win the series. That means 21 and 8 to win it outright. You see how it gets harder. So the Brewers still are in control of their future. And I'm one of those people, I don't like using control their own destiny. I think that's a grammatical error. I'm, this is my little tiny soapbox, my little hill that I'm willing to die on, and I'm sick of this phrase. You know, they control their own destiny. Destiny is predetermined by des- by definition. Am I right, Tommy? I'm being an English nerd here, but destiny is predetermined, right? He said, yeah. So you control your own future. You control your own fate. Fate can be changed. Destiny is predetermined. Anyway. Just grammar. Um, the the Brewers, here's the, the head-to-head series that'll be happening simultaneously while the Brewers are playing and while the Cubs are playing. So this weekend, Phillies for the Brewers, Cubs will be facing the Reds. Then it gets interesting. While the Brewers play the Pirates in Pittsburgh, the Cubs will be playing the Giants at home. Then the Brewers go to the Yankee Stadium next weekend while the Cubs host Arizona. Brewers are home from Miami. The Cubs will go on their last West Coast trip. They'll go to Colorado. So Colorado's struggling, but it's always tough to play at Coors. Then the Brewers are home for Washington, who's been a great team in the second half. I am not overlooking them, while the Cubs once again finish their series with Arizona. Brewers come home. They, hey, they're the, or they go on the road again. Hey, there are those Cardinals again. Haven't seen them in a minute. While the Brewers play the Cardinals, the Cubs will play the Pirates. Then the Brewers will go down to Miami, and that's a trap weekend, man. Weekend in Miami, end of the year. I don't like the sound of that. Colorado is who the Cubs will be playing during that week. Then they're back home for the final week of the year, home for St. Louis, while the Cubs will be playing the Atlanta Braves. And who knows, like I said, the reason why I brought up the Dodgers, if the Dodgers win this series, you know, some people may be thinking, oh, well, the Braves aren't going to be playing for anything by then. You don't know that. If the Dodgers win this series and they're putting heat on that number one seed to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, those games could really matter against the Cubs in the penultimate series of the year. Then, of course, the teams meet head-to-head at the very end of the season. It's going to be fun, man. It's scoreboard-watching season. It's Craig Timber season. And a reminder, just a little brief little soliloquy here. This could be it for Craig Council. Uh, Mark Adonacio told the media the other day they're tabling it until after the season. He is obviously a free agent to be. There's an organization that's been in flux, obviously, the last 10 months or so since David Stearns announced he was uh, taking an advisory role, and he's a free agent to be at the end of the year as well, mind you. This could be it. And I hope Brewers fans recognize that, that if Craig Council decides to, to move on, this is it. So 
make sure you make the man, uh, you appreciate the man because he's been awesome. Let me get to a couple of texts here. Uh, appreciate it. Couldn't agree more about the last Cup Series as a season ticket holder. We exchanged five games to get 20 extra tickets for the last Cup Series. Only available to my Brewer fan friends. Much appreciated. You're a good fan. Appreciate you texting in. Another text here about Yoel Piams. It feels like Yoel slider hasn't been as sharp lately in addition to the walks you mentioned. Have you noticed anything with the slider? I may be wrong, just eye tense. I want to look a little deeper on that. I'll get back to you during a post-game show next time he gets into a game. Seems to have been leaving the plate more often. I, I see a guy that's been definitely that. I mean, you look at the hard contact against him. That's certainly troubling about Yoel Piams. I'm pulling up uh, some of my research right now of what I've seen. From uh, Yoel Piams this season, and I'm pulling up the slider right now. Still got 36 strikeouts on it. Still got a 31% whiff rate on it. That's really darn good. Uh, two homers allowed on that slider. Opponent's only hitting 163. Let's go ahead and go to the month by month and see what's going on on the slider specifically. This is live research. I know it's thrilling radio. Uh, but here in August, still handled it pretty well. In fact, both homers... This month were on the slider. They were four for twenty-three. Opponents were four for twenty-three on the slider this year. Or on this month, two of them were home runs. So signaling that he's hanging it and potentially dealing with fatigue. In fact, the whiff rate fell to only twenty-three percent this month. So that tells me fatigue could certainly be an issue for Yoel Piams. Two more quick segments. We're going to talk about the starting rotation, what's to come on Saturday, and also preview the Phillies. That's coming up next, right here on WTMJ. Good choice there, Tommy. Did you listen to the live album yet, Bleachers? Live from Radio City? I have not yet. Oh, you should. It's fun. Sounded really fun. Big Bleachers guy here. Little taste of music. I was listening to Hozier's album today, by the way. Oh, a lot of bangers. That was really good. A really good album. 10 out of 10. I still need to listen to Turnpike Troubadours. I still need to listen to Zach Bryan. Uh, I'm way behind on my music scene right now. Okay, uh, you're listening to a baseball show, not a music show. I'm Dom Catronio. Thanks for joining us. Got another 10 minutes of show in the program. Real quick segment here about the rotation. In case you missed it, the Brewers are TBD for Saturday in what was supposed to be Adrian Hauser's spot in the rotation. He's been placed on the injured list with right elbow effusion, basically meaning a fluid buildup in his elbow. Not in the UCL region, so they feel like he could stay minimum 15 days on the aisle, which would mean he misses two to three starts, depending with how they shape things out with these off days. A lot of folks are asking, Robert Gasser, Robert Gasser, Robert Gasser. Is he coming up? Is he coming up? Of course, rosters expand tomorrow. You can have one more pitcher, one more position player. I don't think it's going to be Robert Gasser, guys. I, I, I hope it is. I think that'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a really fun story to talk about. It's always fun to talk about MLB debuts with all the rookies that have been on this team. But it just makes more sense for Colin Ray, and here's why. Colin, he hasn't pitched in a week. You know, a lot of folks pointed at Robert Gasser. Oh, it lines up perfectly. It also lines up perfectly with Colin Ray. He probably would have. They had a doubleheader today, mind you, did the Nashville Sounds. And Colin Ray did not pitch in either game of the doubleheader. So that kind of signals to me it's going to be Colin Ray. And furthermore, if it's going to be a temporary solution... It makes sense for it to be Colin because he can be optioned right back down... And I know this isn't about, oh, you can't start his clock too early or things like that. No, it's not about that. It's just I think the Brewers want to bring up Robert Gasser and have him stick, i.e. coming out of camp next season. He'll certainly be a candidate to make the team out of spring training next year. But the Brewers, 
you know, you've hopefully got Aaron Ashby on his way back. He's going to be actually facing live hitters tomorrow in Appleton. But the Brewers always like to do this, obviously, with their relievers. You know, we saw it with Ashby in 2021. We saw it with Woodruff in 18, where they kind of give these guys a little bit of taste. I don't know if they're going to do that with Robert Gasser. Let him be a traditional starter all the way through. I'm anticipating Colin Ray, but would be very excited for it to be Robert Gasser. So uh, as far as the rotation goes, with the announcement that Wade Miley is going to start on Sunday, that indicates to me that even with the off day today, the Brewers are using an every fifth game rotation, not an every fifth day rotation. Because remember, off day today, off day next Thursday, then they start 17 in a row before their last off day of the season. So if they go every fifth day... They could hopefully keep Wade Miley in shape. I don't see them going to a six-man rotation for just two weeks. I don't think that makes sense here down the stretch. You've made it this far with the five-man. They only used a six-man there at the end of April when they were trying to figure out what was going on with Brandon Woodruff. But as it stands right now, if you go every fifth game, it would be Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta in those three games at home against St. Louis in the final week. And then if needed you would have Corbin Burns ready to go for Game 162. And if you don't need him for Game 162, he obviously starts Game 1 of the wild card. Just a look ahead, I tweeted that at Dom underscore Catronio, trying to project out what's going to happen. Okay, take our last break, preview the Phillies. They're white hot coming into town. Then we'll uh, say goodnight right here on WTMJ. I've got one minute to tell you about the Phillies and what's coming up this weekend. 7-10 tomorrow night. Coverage starts at 6 right after Wisconsin's afternoon news. Tomorrow it'll be Freddie Peralta against Zach Wheeler for Game 1. Saturday, TBD for the Brewers. That guy's undefeated. Up against Aaron Nola for the Phillies. That is a 6-10 first pitch. Our coverage will begin at 5. I've got you for Brewers warm-up. Then on Sunday, odd start time because... The game is on Peacock. If you're one of the folks that likes to sync up the uh, TV, it's streaming. It's on Peacock on Sunday, 12.05 first pitch. We're on the air at 11 with Brewers warm-up. By the way, Saturday is on Fox. Friday is Bally. Saturday is Fox. Sunday is Peacock. Phillies, they are 17-10 and 10 in August. Bryce Harper is white hot right now. He's got a 12.36 OPS. By the way, Trey Turner, since that brotherly love standing O, He's hitting 365 with an 1164 OPS. He's back. He's white hot. This is going to be a lot of fun. Hope to holler at you guys from the ballpark this weekend. My thanks to producer Tommy Wirtz. I'm Dom Catronio. Keep on swinging.